and get involved. So, Thank you, David. Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the second letter to the Corinthians. We've entitled the series, Strength and Weakness. Strength and Weakness. And this morning's message is entitled, Christ's Triumph. Christ's Triumph. And it's in 2 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16a. So we're, let's read that text together. You'll see it on the screen if you have your Bible. You can open your Bible to it. 2 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16a. Christ's triumph. Now if anyone, excuse me, verse 12, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. The predominant metaphor that Paul uses in this text is of a Roman triumphal procession. Okay, I'm going to start with Disney, and then I'll move to reality, okay? So think of Aladdin and Prince Ali, right? All hail to Prince Ali. Okay, you like that, huh? I tried out to be a singer with Disney, did not get chosen. That's cute, isn't it? Reality isn't cute. The triumphal procession we're talking about here, we have over 300 accounts of it in first century, was when a Roman general had conquered a people, and he came proceeding into Rome. And for the conquered who marched in that procession, it ended in death. So no Disney here. No Prince Ali with silly little elephants. But a very serious procession that usually included the following. And by the way, we're in the procession. See if you can figure out which ones we are in the procession. Because Paul says that God leads us in procession, a triumphal procession. And he's thinking precisely of this procession that I'm about to describe to you. The first group that you would see if you were lined up at the Super Bowl party, victory, parade, like I'm sure L.A. just had, the first group you would see would be a group carrying huge pictures, drawings of the vanquished cities and huge placards with the names of these cities, and they would be carrying the goods of those cities that had been plundered by the conquering general. Next would be the conquered people. Here's where it gets serious. In shackles, heads down. A lot of their leaders would have been there who would have ended up being executed at the end of the procession. Then would come incense bearers. They would have incense in these these metal uh, censers, and, and usually they have like a cord, and they would be swinging, many, many of them, be swinging these incense-producing sensors, and this, this fragrance would be wafting across the, uh, the, the group, the parade, everybody that was there. 
this fragrance. And this fragrance would be pointing to the general. He comes next in this great, magnificent chariot drawn by four powerful horses, and he would be ordained in purple, and he would, he would, be, he would be the victor. He'd be like the, the conquering football team on those buses, you know. Uh, <laughs> he would be the victor. He is the man who is being honored. Behind him would be another group, the group of freed Roman citizens from the cities that the general conquered. These would be people that had been slaves in these foreign cities that the general had set free. And then finally would be the troops, the conquering troops in this procession. So where are we in the procession? Because Paul definitely says we're in the procession. Paul says he's in the procession. So where are we? Well, some people, and there's a little bit of a controversy here, some people say that we're part of the conquered people at the beginning. You know, the the general has conquered us. The only problem with that is those conquered people end up getting killed at the end of the procession. Don't think that's where we're at. Others say that we are the the liberated uh, Roman citizens sort of at the end of the procession. And, And I can see, I think there's some truth to that. We've been set free by the general. Who, by the way, you can probably guess, is Christ Jesus, the triumphant Christ. But many, many, many people, and I'm one of them, believe that we're most perfectly illustrated here as the censor bearers. We are those people that have this censor that's, that's, that's producing this fragrance, this incense, and we're, and we're swinging it. And everywhere we go, everywhere we go, we are releasing the fragrance of the knowledge of God in Christ. Or, as I believe Paul is arguing and I am arguing, and hopefully we can convince you, Here is the thesis. Here's the argument. We spread the fragrance of Christ's triumph everywhere. We spread the fragrance of Christ's triumph everywhere. This is what God is saying to us this morning. This is what this text is arguing to us this morning, that we are called to spread the fragrance of Christ's triumph everywhere. Yes, we are the freed people, for sure. But most perfectly, we are those Incense bearers who are spreading the fragrance of Christ's triumph everywhere. Let's see if the text supports that. Point one. The Apostle Paul is saying, this is what I'm doing when I preach the gospel of Christ personally. Point one. Preach the gospel of Christ personally. Read verses 12 and 13 with me again. When I, Paul, came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ... Even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. What Paul is saying is, what I was doing there in Troas and in Macedonia is I was spreading the fragrance of Christ's triumph everywhere by preaching the gospel of Christ personally. Let's review You will see on this map of the third missionary journey of Christ, excuse me, Paul, that is captured in this text, that the Apostle Paul had been preaching for three years in Ephesus. To the right where it says Asia, modern-day Turkey. Right on the coast is the city of Ephesus, and Paul had been there three years preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ very personally. He then left Ephesus, and he moved up that coast where it says Asia, 
on the east side of the Aegean Sea, and he went to a place called Troas. That's verse 12. He came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ. And while he's at Troas, he is waiting to hear from Titus. Because while he was in Ephesus, Paul wrote the first letter to the Corinthians, calling them to repent and come back to the gospel. He's preaching the gospel of Christ personally in Ephesus, in Corinth, and he's saying, please repent, please come back to the gospel. And then he sent them a second letter that we don't have. It's called the tearful letter, the difficult letter. He sent it by way of Titus, one of his co-workers. And he said, you go to Corinth across the Aegean Sea to southern Greece where it says Corinth, where it says Achaia on the left-hand side there, and Macedonia, that's modern-day Greece. You go there and you deliver this letter and you, 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 you tell them that God wants them to repent of of departing from the gospel, of wandering aimlessly, looking for things that are not true, come back to Jesus. He wrote both of those letters while he's in Ephesus for three years. Then he leaves Ephesus and he goes to Troas and he's, he's desperate to hear back from Titus. He's desperate to hear back because the gospel is personal. Unlike the Godfather, it is personal. It's not just business. You haven't seen the Godfather? Michael Corleone says, it's not personal, Sonny. It's just business. Wrong. It is personal. It's not just business. For us, it's personal. We spread the fragrance of the triumph of Christ when we personally get involved in preaching the gospel and people on our hearts. And they were so on his heart that he was restless. Look at verse 13 on the screen. My spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. Where? In Troas. See, Paul was thinking... I'm going to meet Titus in Troas because he will take a boat from southern Greece, from Corinth, from Achaia, up the Aegean Sea, and he'll meet me at Troas. Much easier to travel by boat than by land. But when Titus didn't show up and Paul is restless because it's personal to him, he then goes to Macedonia. Again, verse 13, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. This is now in modern-day Greece, northern Greece. And, and the text, 2 Corinthians, tells us that he did meet up with Titus there. We're going to preach that later in the series. In chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, it says that Titus finally met Paul there. And what did Titus say to him? The Corinthians have come back to the gospel. The Corinthians have repented. The Corinthians have embraced the true gospel. And because of that, Paul writes 2 Corinthians, the letter that we're preaching now, from Macedonia, giving them further instructions, telling them, I'm so glad you returned to the gospel. I'm so glad you disciplined the brother who led the apostasy. He's repented. Bring him back. We preached that last week. Here's the point. Here's the point. Paul is describing what he did to spread the fragrance of Christ's triumph everywhere. And what he did is he preached the gospel personally. So my question to you is this. Are you preaching the gospel personally? Has God put someone in your heart to whom you are preaching the gospel personally? You care. Like Paul, you write letters or you pray with tears and suffering and pain. They are in your heart. 
in your heart. Because we're called to spread the fragrance of Christ everywhere and his triumph, we are called to preach the gospel personally. May God give us the grace to do that. Point two. Paul now is going to be very explicit that what he's doing is he's spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of God in Christ. That's the second point. He's spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of God in Christ. Same thing as spreading the fragrance of Christ's triumph. It's the same thing. He's going to say, what I did in preaching the gospel, point one, verses 12 and 13, is spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of God, spreading the fragrance of Christ's triumph, because he's now going to engage this metaphor that we gave you of the Roman triumphal procession. Read it with me. Verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. So he now brings forth this illustration that to those Christians in that culture would have been very, very well known. It's like me saying, hey, remember that Super Bowl parade a couple of weeks ago in Los Angeles? Even more so, they would have remembered a triumphal procession, maybe even have seen one. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. What Paul is saying, what I did in verses 12 and 13, preaching the gospel in Troas and in Macedonia, was God leading me in triumphal procession. I wasn't just wandering aimlessly around the Mediterranean as some of his opponents accused him. If you remember in previous sermons, previously on 24, They were saying, Paul, you're a weak leader because you tell us you're going to come visit us, and then you change your mind and you don't visit us, and then you send Titus to visit us because, what, are you afraid of us? You're a weak leader. And Paul says, I'm not a weak leader. I'm not wandering aimlessly around the Mediterranean. I'm not quirky. I'm not afraid of you. God's leading me in triumphal procession. And that triumphal procession means that I preach Jesus personally. And it happens to be in Ephesus for three years and in Troas and now in Macedonia. I'll get to you eventually when God leads me there. Are you wandering aimlessly right now? Or do you have a purpose? I'll tell you what God's purpose is for you, that you spread the fragrance of Christ's triumph everywhere, in the classroom, in the boardroom, on the mission field, at CC, at home, when you had those banditos that you're trying to corral, and now a new bandita that you're trying to corral with the banditos. At the hospital, in retirement, as you're leading a corporation, as you're designing buildings, as you're serving folks at Walmart, you're not just wandering aimlessly. God is leading you in triumphal procession to spread the fragrance of Christ everywhere, even on rooftops. Hopefully you don't fall off of them. And and see, what, what we see here is in verse 14, see the word, but thanks be to God? I, what I just said is transmitted by that conjunction, but. It's a jarring word. 
He's been talking about what Paul has been doing in Troas, preaching the gospel, waiting for Titus. Titus didn't show up. I guess he's not going to come by boat, so I'm going to go to Macedonia because maybe Titus is going to walk inland up from southern Greece to northern Greece, which is in fact what happened. And so I'm preaching personally. I care. I carry them in my heart. It's more than just business. It's more than just a duty. Oh, I guess I have to preach the gospel because that's what Christians do. No, I want to preach the gospel. Because I was freed. I'm one of those in the procession that was freed from slavery to Satan, sin, and death. And I want to go as an incense bearer now and preach Jesus personally. That's what that word but does. It, It draws our attention. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Because he leads me in this triumphal procession. That incense that we are bearing, big steel container, burning incense with a chain, we're just all walking. That incense is two things. First of all, it is the fragrance of Christ's triumph. It is the fragrance, as it says here, of the knowledge. Look, at, Put verse um, 14 up again. It is the fragrance of the knowledge of him, God, everywhere. But listen, verse 15. First, we are the aroma of Christ to God. What does that mean, Al? Well, this is what it means. It means that our lives are a fragrance, like an incense wafting up to God that says to God, this is what Jesus did. See, Jesus is the conquering general. Jesus is on that chariot. Jesus is the one we're all praising. Jesus is the risen Lord. And what we're saying with our lives is we have been set free. In a sense, we are those at the back who have been set free. We're no longer in in sackcloth and ashes. We're no longer ashamed with our heads shaved and, and, and being ridiculed in a foreign land by Satan, sin, and death. We're no longer afraid. We've been set free. And we're we're saying, yeah. And our lives are pleasing to God. Not because of us, necessarily, but because of Jesus. See, we're this aroma, verse 15, of Christ. See that? Put it up 15 again. We are the aroma of Christ to God. I want you to hear this. You are so pleasing to God. Your life to the oldest one amongst us, I'm not saying you're the oldest one, (laughs) to the youngest one among us, if you are saved, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, no matter how pleasing you think you were today, and maybe you weren't very pleasing today, let's be real, right? Maybe today wasn't a good day for you, but your life is an aroma of Christ to God. Why? Because he saved you, he set you free from Satan, sin, and death. Can you believe and receive that? You're pleasing to him. It's a fragrance of Christ. You hear that? Of Christ. You don't have to earn it. Christ earned it. But can you enjoy it? Even if you've got a limp, right? You're in that parade as a set-free slave. That's good news, isn't it? But secondly... It's also a fragrance to everybody else around us. Now Paul is back to, let me tell you what I was doing in verses 12 and 13. I was being a fragrance of Christ's triumph everywhere. I was preaching the gospel everywhere. See, it's a fragrance to everybody. 
That's what verse 15 and 16 says. Back to 15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, first fragrance, among those, now second, who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Verse 16. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. What that means is this. If you're walking in the procession, the incense will mean one of two things depending on where you are in the procession. And by the way, let me just stop. We're all in that procession. I'm looking up at the camera because I don't know. Maybe you're just watching for the first time. You're either in that procession as one who is an enemy of God and not been reconciled with God, and at the end of that procession, when Jesus returns, you will be destroyed. It's called eternal judgment. Your soul won't cease to exist, but you will receive the eternal right punishment of God. Or you're the set free and the incense bearers by the blood of Jesus for the glory of Christ because of the triumph of Christ. And my heart is that you would be the latter, every person that's listening to me, that God would give you that revelation. Let me explain that a little bit more. If you were in the front of the procession as one of the conquered, resistant enemies of the general, this is where the, the metaphor breaks down a little, but just stay with me. Then as I said to you, that incense would be a smell of death to death. Because you know, in ancient history, those 300 accounts I told you about, they all ended in execution for those those, those conquered enemies of the king, of the general, of Rome. Here's where the metaphor breaks down, as all do, because none can adequately capture God's grace and God's kingdom. But see, in God, in Christ, we can, unlike that procession in the natural, in Christ, we can go from those enemies of God who say, I'm not going to bow my knee to, I would rather die proud and my own ideas and my own salvation. You can go from that place as an enemy of God, an enemy of the conquering general, to one who's been set free by him. And the greatest freedom, by the way, is to be set free from the wrath of God and the judgment of God. It's called faith in Christ. It's called repenting and believing. And you can go from being a stench to a fragrance because of Christ. Oh, what's the smell? What's the fragrance of our lives? Guthrie, in his... Commenting on this passage says the following on the screen. The imagery of the passage depicts the gospel as wafting like incense out over the world. This aroma of knowledge about Christ, now expressed as a fragrance of Christ, rises up to God even as it has an effect on people in the world. Here's the appeal, church. What is the fragrance of your life? Is it the fragrance of Christ because you bowed your knee to him? He has conquered you. But he's given you life and set you free from Satan, sin, and death. 
And if it is that fragrance, church, are we spreading that fragrance by having people on our hearts to whom we're preaching the gospel personally? Is the prevailing fragrance of your life Christ? Do you smell like Jesus? Let me just pause for a second. And if you're not a believer, I want to ask you an honest question. And I'd love for you to email me or text me or whatever. Do we smell like Jesus to you? Right? Because sometimes we can't even smell ourselves. I'll come in from mowing the lawn, which I don't have to do anymore. Thank you, Lord, that we moved. I don't have to mow the lawn anymore. But when I come in from mowing the lawn or working out, and Desi will go, Al, you've got to take a shower. I can't smell myself. Sometimes we can't smell ourselves as a church. Do we smell like Jesus? Here's the good news. That is our fragrance. That is our fragrance. That's our baseline fragrance. If you're a Christian, your fragrance is the aroma of Christ to God. Your fragrance is life to life to the world. Now listen, all of us have a baseline fragrance, right? You can tell like, oh, so-and-so is here. Everybody's got this baseline fragrance. Every once in a while, other odors attach to ourselves or emit from us, and we go, whoa, what was that? But that's not our baseline fragrance. I mean, Jesus deals with those other odors, doesn't he? That's called sanctification. It's called purification. But, but do you smell like, do we smell like Jesus? Because Jesus smells like God. He's God in the flesh. So this is what it means to love and be kind and giving and servant and, and, and courageous and faithful and pure. This is smelling like Jesus. You do, and you're smelling more and more like him. <laughs> okay? And then if you're not a Christian, how do we smell and here's my appeal to you, if you're not a Christian. Would you please repent and believe in Christ? So on that day, on that day, at the end of the procession, rather than death to death, you would receive life to life. That's our heart. We want to smell like Jesus so that we would spread the fragrance of his triumph everywhere we go, calling others to join us as freed slaves in that procession. Join us as incense bearers. I want to be an incense bearer for the Lord. And I ask you to join me in that. Let's pray. Lord, I, I stand before you as one who is amazed by your grace. Because apart from you, Lord Jesus, I would remain a belligerent enemy of yours, shaking my fist at the crowd, saying, I would rather die than bow my knee to that general. That's how scripture paints us. We're avowed enemies of yours with no hope, totally thinking we can do it on our own. Shaking our fist at you, crying out, crucify him but then you die for your enemies. You loved us when we still hated you. I know that's not a flattering picture, but it's, it's, it's your word. Will we bow? Will we believe your word, God? And then you save us, and then you give us the privilege. You call us, you lead us in triumphal procession to be both the freed slaves, and then we run up there and grab one of those incense containers. We begin to 
wave it with our lives and wave it with our words and wave it with how we choose to spend the money you've given us and the time you've given us and the talents you've given us and we join ourselves to other incense bearers. And our aroma becomes the aroma of Christ to you, Father, first and then to others around us. Help us, Lord. Help us to see this truth to preach the gospel personally, to spread the fragrance of your triumph, Jesus, everywhere we go. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to apply this message, I'm going to ask Ben to lead us in two songs, not one. We're going to start with This is Amazing Grace, and then we're going to transition into Bright and Glorious. Can I just ask you to stay connected here for a moment. This truth falls upon us and our hearts are tender. Worship is often a vehicle by which God directs our our worship to him Godward, but listen, but also disseminates and spreads the fragrance manward. Do you hear me? Our worship is both to God and to one another. Because there may be folks here, I believe there are folks here today in two categories. Number one, you've come dry in a desert, and you don't quite feel it. We've been addressing you from the beginning, number one. And number two, those who need physical healing. Just have a sense that God wants to heal folks this morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing these two songs. Ben, you're going to lead us in there. And then uh, we're going to just come down here. And If you want prayer for physical healing, uh, David, would you, would you mind joining me? Um, Kevin, if you would get up here uh, and join us. And um, we're just going to pray. Sergio, why don't you join us as well, okay? We're just going to spread out here. If you want prayer for healing, it's not us that heals you. It's him that heals you. Uh, But we just feel led to pray for healing. Can we do that? All right, so can we stand, please? We're going to come down here. You're going to lead us in. This is Amazing Grace and then uh, Bright and Glorious. So if you want prayer, please feel free to come down. You can just receive right.